chapter 4. I'm going to finish up the chapter 4 here of Genesis tonight. Anytime I run into a new believer or a Christian who wants to start going deeper in the Word, they always say they're going to start reading in the book of Genesis. And I always say that's the worst idea you can do. And they always come back and say, how is that the worst idea? Because it's Genesis. It's the beginning. That's where you should start. And I say, I agree. The first three chapters of Genesis, the first, actually, four and a half chapters are pretty good. I said, but you're going to reach the end of chapter 4, which is a genealogy. genealogy. Then you're going to reach chapter 5, which is a genealogy. And right there, it's going to become difficult. Now, if you can get past that, you'll probably be okay for a while until you hit the law in Exodus and Leviticus. And then you're finally going to hit major genealogies at the beginning of the book of First of Chronicles, and you're not going to be able to get through that at all. It's always better, I always say, start with the gospel, learn about who Jesus is first. We're here now to those genealogies. And guess what we're going to do for the next two weeks? We're going to talk about genealogies. Now, I love genealogies. I love them. I love the names. I love what they mean and what they represent. Because there's a reason why God wrote this and he said this is important for that to be here. There's a reason. There's a reason why in chapter 4 he stopped and says, Hey, let's go through six, seven different generations of Cain and talk about what happened to each one. Then let's go through chapter 5 and talk about all these generations that take us up to the flood. There's a reason why it's in there. And I hope, I'm not going to promise, I'm not going to guarantee, but I really hope as you walk away from tonight's study, you will realize the importance of why they're in here and what these names mean and represent. Now, with any type of name... When you start going back 6,000 years ago to what these names mean and represent, there's a lot of debate on what it is. I'm not an expert on Hebrew. I don't claim to be an expert on Hebrew. But when you study out what some of these names mean and represent, it creates a picture. What we left off last week was Cain killed Abel. And part of the curse that was put on Cain is that he would have to be a wanderer the rest of his life and that he was going to never be able to have that peace, if you would. So we left off in verse 16 of Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And we talked about how he left and now he's a wanderer. And that's what that name Nod means, that he is literally wandering the rest of his life. Verse 17, and Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of that city after the name of his son Enoch. First question we have to ask, who was Cain's wife? Now, somebody asked that last week, and I said, it's an excellent question. It really is. In fact, more people probably ask me that question than, how do you get to heaven? You can run into non-believers, and they don't care anything about Jesus, but they want to know who Cain married. Now, I don't know if it's really that deep or difficult of a question to really answer. Most people believe that Cain married one of the descendants of Adam and Eve. By this time, Adam and Eve would have had many, many children. Now, some people say, well, that means Cain married his sister. Not necessarily. Well, then Cain married his niece. Not necessarily. By this time, we could be numerous generations down the line. You have to remember, Adam lived 930 years. That's a lot of time to live. That's a lot of descendants. Some people then say, well, that would just be wrong because we know what happens now with mutations and inbreeding. And if you marry a close relative, you have to remember back at this time, the genetic line was very, very pure. Sin had not been the curse that it is now today. We live 70, 80, 90 years. Adam lived 930. It was a much different time back then. So therefore, the genetic mutations would not be effective as much as it is. By the time the law comes around with the time of Moses, God puts some very strict rules and guidelines on who you're allowed to marry, how close, etc. At this time, it's not there. Now, I've met some people that are really bothered by that idea, so they firmly believe that God created a specific special wife for Cain. 
So I look at them and say, possible, and in my mind, I think you're completely wrong. So if you believe that, hey, possible, but you're really wrong. So he probably just married a distant relative of what was going on there, and it's really not that big a deal in the whole scheme of things. What's more important in verse 17 is he named his kid Enoch. Now, it's really interesting because when we get to chapter 5, you're going to see similarities here between the naming of Cain's descendants and Adam's descendants. Now, Enoch. Enoch means dedicated. The problem is in verse 17, Enoch is dedicated the name of the town. Now, you may think that's not that big a deal. They build a city and they call the name of the city after his son Enoch. That's pretty neat. Right, but it already shows what's happening in the line of Cain. They're not concerned about dedicating the things to God. They're doing it to themselves. They're not naming a city after the Lord or the things of God. They're naming a city after themselves. You can put the little note there that we put on the sheet. Cain's heart is revealed as the focus is on Cain and his descendants, not the Lord. And that's what you see through the rest of this study. Every time one of Cain's descendants is mentioned... It shows them getting farther and farther away from God. I'm telling you, this is what it is. When we as a people, as a family, as a nation, as an individual, when you start slowly getting a little farther away from the Lord, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Compromise will kill you spiritually. Sometimes you need to take a look at yourself and say, what am I doing now spiritually? Would I have done this when I first got saved in the Lord? Would I have done this a couple years ago when I was really strong in the Lord? If, if you wouldn't, you need to stop and say, what has happened to my spiritual life that I've just kind of started compromising? And I've started making these little <sighs> compromises, I guess, on all things. What you see here with Cain, the farther they get away from being in the Garden of Eden, the worse it gets for them. So Enoch, dedicated to him, once again you may say that's not a big deal. It really is. It's the first domino to fall to say they're more concerned about their legacy than the Lord. Next guy we're going to know. Verse 18, to Enoch was born Arad, and Arad begot Mahujel, and Mahujel begot Methushel, and Methushel begot Lamach. Now, once again, look at your sheets. Look at these names. Arad means wild, fugitive, or rebellious. That's quite the kid. That's Cain's line. Wild. They're fugitives. They're on the run. They're rebellious against God. These names are revealing who they are. The next one, Mahujael, means destroyed of God or smitten by God. This family basically said, we're the rebels, we're the ones that God cast out. Yeah, that's who we are. God doesn't like us. Then we get to Mahujael. Who is of God? It's kind of a question. Who's of God? Or some people translate it, dead who are of God. Because if you look at that name, Methushael, that last part there, the S-H-A, if you, in Hebrew, that E-L means of God. And that S-H-A in the Hebrew is actually Sheol, which is abode of the dead. So it's this idea of dead who are of God. Look at what's happening here. Enoch, we dedicate the city to our kid. Irad, we're fugitives, rebellious, we're wild. Mahushael, destroyed of God, smitten by God. Methushael, who is of God, dead who are of God. This line just gets farther and farther away. I was talking to someone the other day, and they happened to know about three generations of this family. And I think the way they described it was, I knew his grandfather, he was a character. I knew the son, I knew he was a character. I knew the grandson, and they were a character as well. Character was not a compliment. 
Do you ever know families where you just see this descendants getting farther and farther away from the Lord? Now, does that mean that's the way it's going to be? No, because God, any man who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Some of you may have come out of the most dysfunctional of dysfunctional backgrounds, but you can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's what the Lord does. God is great at breaking those traditions of man. But sometimes you see these families that they just keep getting worse and worse and worse down the line. Cain's family keeps building up to this. So now we're finally introduced to Lamech in verse 18. Now Lamech is very interesting. His name can either mean lowly or powerful. There's a huge difference there. Huge difference. And I think it's interesting that the name Lamech can mean either lowly or powerful. Because if you look at Lamech... Jump ahead, if you will, to Genesis chapter 5, verse 28. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son, and he called his name Noah. Now, isn't that interesting? Lamech is the father of Noah under Seth's line in Genesis 5. But Lamech, over in Genesis 4, verse 19, he's the guy that decides to first take two wives for himself. Verse 19, then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. I think that's why the name can mean lowly or powerful. Because you are given the same opportunities in life as anybody else. What are you going to do with that? You're either going to be lowly and choose the path of sin, choose the path of problems, or you're going to be powerful and walk in the line of God. See, too often we make all these excuses. Well, I would be a stronger Christian if... No, it's just an excuse. You can be powerful in the Lord. You can. Well, it's so difficult. Well, you're choosing to go to Lamech of Genesis 4. You want to be lowly. You want to go down the path of sin. You want to go down the path of excuses. Then go down the path of excuses. Or you can be Lamech in Genesis 5 and be powerful. That's why I think the name means two different, totally different things. It depends on which one you want to be. So you have to make that choice. Every day when you get up, every day when I get up, I have to make a choice. Lord, am I using today for you or am I using it for my own pleasure? I have a free will choice. I can spend my day in prayer. I can spend my day witnessing. I can spend my day serving the body of Christ. Or I can drink the day away. I can waste the day away in lust. I can do whatever I want. I have a free will choice. I can be lowly or I can be powerful. And I get to make that choice. And you see two different Lamechs here in Genesis 4 and Genesis 5. One's lowly, one's powerful. You see Cain's line getting worse and worse and worse. We'll take a quick break here for a second. You may get a quick questions, comments over the first, uh, what, four generations here following the line of Cain. Okay. Oh, sorry, Rose. Right. It was still going on. In fact, Abraham, when he wanted a wife for Isaac, he actually sent his servant to go find one of his relatives. So, yeah, that was still going on here generations later as well. Christian. It, it, it has. That comes up a lot. And the other one that comes up a lot, are there aliens? I don't know. I don't think there are aliens. No. And well, if there are, did Jesus die for them? No. And I remember one time getting a chance to witness to somebody. He wouldn't get past that point. Well, this is what keeps me from relationship with Christ. No, it's an excuse. I mean, that's really what it is. It's an excuse. 
And, and we have excuses built in. So the Cain's wife thing, well, I would really believe the Bible, but it's just an excuse. So, I, and I appreciate you bringing that up because you see in history that same stuff popping up there. Anybody else have anything here before we move on? Okay, we need to build on this for a second. Verse 19, Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of the one was Adon, the name of the second was Zillah. It's interesting that this now goes another total different route. Before we had these names destroyed of God, who is of God. Now we're just going to outright do whatever we want. Two wives. Isn't it interesting? The first wife's name, Adah, means ornament. Something beautiful. Something you hang up. Something you look at. Something you like. An ornament. The name of the second wife means shade or shadow. Something in the darkness. Is that not what sin does? When we start doing things we shouldn't do, we start walking in the shadow and the darkness of sin. We don't want people to know how we act outside of church. We don't want people to know what we're thinking. We don't want people to know the words that come out of my mouth. You don't want to know what I did last Friday night. I'm walking in the shadow of things because why? I've made a choice that's not biblical. And you see this with the mech. The first one is beautiful. It's an ornament. Marriage, a wife, is a beautiful, wonderful thing. Two of them? Now that's darkness. That's a problem. Now, some people also think, is it possible that when you start having one, it's great, but then when you start getting the other one, when you get that thing you think, when I want two, it really just becomes a shadow of what you really want. Haven't you ever had that in life? You had this forbidden fruit, this temptation, and you really wanted it. You really wanted to do it. You really wanted to whatever. And you got that forbidden fruit. And once you partake of it, there's this great sweetness of having it, followed by guilt and shame and conviction. It does not work out when you do not follow the path of the Lord. That is the simplest teaching point. When you do what the Bible says, things go better. If you don't do what the Bible says, it doesn't go well. Two wives, it's a shadow of what marriage is supposed to be. And this is we're going to see this. Verse 20, And Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And for Zillah, she also bore Tubalcane, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubalcane was Nama. These three guys represent society today. Look at your sheets there. Jabal, now we have shelter and we now we have livelihood. He has tents, he has livestock. Now you also have the next guy there. You have Jabal, he did music, entertainment, Tubalcane. He also is the first one to start doing bronze and iron industry. What you see here is society. Everything we need, think about that. We have a livelihood, we have industry, we have entertainment, we have shelter, we have this. Now, I bring this up for a couple reasons. First one is actually a positive reason. Too often when you talk to people and you go back to the beginning of prehistoric man, they represent it as walking around in grunts and groans and they can't communicate and they couldn't take care of themselves. The Bible represents man being created with wisdom and intellect and understanding, enough so that they're creating music and industry and bronze and iron, that this is not some type of man that evolved out of dumbness, if you will. That's important to note. It's important to note how God created man. Now, number two, this is the representation of society today. What's the result of this? Look at Lamech, verse 23. Then Lamech said to his wives, Adan Zillah, hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech. I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. This guy represents society going downhill. Two wives, institution of marriage is gone. 
Somebody wronged him, I'm going to go ahead and kill him. Is this not society today? It's kind of interesting that this guy here, Tubalcane, where it says that he was a craftsman in bronze and iron, if you study out that word, it actually means the sharpening of swords. What people believe that Tubalcane did in verse 22 is he brought weapons into the world. And then what you see with what was his dad doing? His dad's out killing people. Now think about that. Does that not happen today? You hear stories all the time on the news. You see this somebody where somebody just wronged somebody an instant, and next thing you know, it leads to this argument, it leads to this fight. You see this is rage, this is anger, this is sin. A, a man wounded me, so I killed him. See, too often we quote this verse, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, as something being bad. Actually, that was a very fair law. If you wounded me, the most I could do was what you did to me back. That's the most I could do. So we get into a fight and you knock my tooth out? Well, I can knock your tooth out. That's all. When, what do we do in society today? You knock my tooth out, why knock two of your teeth out? This is exactly what Lamech did. Some guy bumped into me, I'm going to kill him. And that's what he did. He hurt me. He wounded me. So I'm going to kill him. This is society. And then verse 24, If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Basically, you don't want to mess with me. This is society. We're tough. We're mean. We're nasty. We, we live in this idea of rage and anger and intimidation. And we think we're tough because we can get out there and pick a fight with somebody and win it. My goodness. We've been talking the last couple Sundays. Jesus represented meekness. Meekness in today's society means being weak. Where from a biblical standpoint, meekness is strength. I have the strength to come over and hurt you physically, emotionally, and I choose not to. I choose not to go down to your level. I choose not to get into that argument with you. I choose to take the high road. That's the biblical representation you're supposed to have. And Cain's line, I just envision a family reunion of Cain, of everybody getting drunk, and everybody getting into fistfights, everybody yelling and screaming. I just envision this huge bash going on of people fighting each other. That's just Cain's line. Look at their words. Go back to your sheets. Wild, fugitive, rebellious, destroyed of God. Who is of God? Dead who are of God. Lowly, shade, shadow, killing people, numerous wives. This is the society of sin. This is what happens when we allow ourselves to be run by our own fuels and passions and desires rather than the things of God. Because look at the difference. Verse 25, Adam knew his wife again. And she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, and whom Cain killed. As for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Look at the end of verse 26. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. That is the difference right there between the line of Cain and the line of Seth. The line of Cain, there is nothing about calling on the name of the Lord. Nothing. If anything, you see it getting farther and farther away from the Lord. The line of Seth, verse 26... They call upon the name of the Lord. Somebody mentioned last week about the line of Cain, about how it just gets worse and worse and worse. That's exactly what you see. You see this just completely getting worse and worse. Why? Because no one's calling on the name of the Lord. Now, we got a couple final points here to make. Has anybody got quick questions, comments over anything we covered here thus far? Ryan. Yeah. It could have been a sister, niece, great-niece. I mean, at this time, it could have been a great-great-niece. You know, we don't know. There's a lot of potential and possibility here of who it could have been. That's a good way to put it. Sounds like a complicated question with a simple answer. 
Anybody else have anything here before going? Kathy. Well, I, I think what it means is this. This is my personal opinion. It sounds like Adam and Eve really thought one of their kids was going to be the one that took care of this sin problem. And I think what happened is when they saw that Cain was the bad seed and that Abel was dead, I think they looked at Seth as the one and saying, okay, now this is the one that God is going to use to be the Messiah to fix the sin problem. And so in some ways it's true because the Messiah comes through the line of Seth. So in some ways your answer is correct. Seth does bring the Messiah through his line, so therefore the Messiah comes through him, but it just wasn't him. It seems like Adam and Eve really thought this is the appointed one. This is the one that's going to fix the problem. Anybody else have any quick questions before we go on? Yeah, Renee. Yes, but there's two different Lamechs. Yep, there's the Lamech of Cain's side, and then there's the Lamech of uh, Seth's side. And when we get into Genesis 5 next week, you're going to see a lot of similar names, but you're going to see them just a hair different. Just a hair. Just the wording's a little different, the spelling's a little different. I mean, if you look here, you see Methuselah. Where we have over here, we have Methuselah. Just a little different. And, And I think that's a huge picture of the world we live in. You can start out with two neighbors that can be solid families. Dads that work hard, moms that work hard, they can have the same amount of kids, they can go to the same school district, they can go to the same everything. But if one family has Jesus and the other one doesn't, it's going to be a totally different ballgame. And I think that's what you see here with the line of Cain and the line of Seth. Well, they're basically the same. Look at the similar names, Lamech and Enoch, Enosh, Methuselah, Methuselah. Yeah, but one has the Lord and the one doesn't. And that is the difference maker of Jesus Christ. As we can be given the same opportunities in life, but it's Jesus that makes the difference. I mean, I look at, at my life, and I look at the age I am now, and any, now, every now and then I'll run into somebody from school, and I look at thinking, we've had the same opportunities. I've known that person since kindergarten. I, I've known their family. I went to their house as a kid. They came to my house as a kid. We were given the same educational ideas, I, the same type of upbringing, solid family upbringing. What's the difference? One has Christ, one doesn't. And I know some families where if you look at them and you say, wow, how did that one become the normal one? They have the Lord. And then you see what happens when they don't. That's the the line of Cain versus line of Seth. I think the most important verse in tonight's study is verse 26. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. That is what separated Seth's line. Men named the Lord. They dedicated their life to the Lord, where way back in verse 17, Cain dedicated the city to his kid. Cain didn't care about the things of the Lord. Anybody else got anything before we close up? Yeah, surely. Mm. And he told her about uh, Adam and Eve, and, and 
right? There, I heard a story. Someone came and told me that they were doing a... Um, uh, someone was having a baby, and they were doing a baby shower. And they asked what the theme of the baby shower was, and the theme was Noah's Ark. And so they went to the woman having the baby shower, and they asked her, how did you come up with the theme Noah's Ark? We didn't think you were really a religious person. She goes, I'm not. She goes, what's Noah's Ark? Well, that's your theme for the baby shower. She goes, I thought it was just the guy in a boat. She didn't realize that there was Noah. She had no, no concept. She just thought it was this idea that people had this guy with a boat and animals. And this is, you know, in the society we live in here. So it is amazing. It is amazing. And I'll, and I'll take this one step further. Someone just told me recently that um, it was one of the local towns that they went over and talked to their neighbor. And they was talking to their neighbor. And the neighbor had lived there, they said, three and a half years. They never really spoke to him, but finally decided to go over and talk to him. So I went over and spoke to them, and as they were talking, the idea of church came up in the Lord and stuff. And they said, where do you go to church? And they go, nowhere. And they said, why not? And they said, oh, I've been here three and a half years, and no one's ever invited me. And you think about that for a second. I mean, and you stop and you think about your neighbors. You, you live beside these people, you wave at them, you know, little trivial bits of information about them. But we never get past that layer to where are you going to spend eternity? I mean, seriously, we'll have conversations about weather and work and sports and kids and life. And did you hear about this? But yet the idea of heaven and hell, we never get to that. And, and I think, Lord, have mercy on us. I think of what Paul wrote where he said, I'm guilty of the blood of no man. Which most people believe Paul was saying that whenever given an opportunity to spread the gospel, he did it. And I look at my own life and I think, Lord, how many meaningless conversations do I have with people about nothing? Now, I'm not saying the first time you meet somebody, you shake their hand and say, hey, I'm James, do you want to go to hell? I'm not saying that. But as the Lord opens a door, we don't back away from eternal conversations to really say, I want to make a difference in these people's lives. Because they're out there. They're out there, the people that just have no idea. And Lord, give us an opportunity. Anybody else have anything? Yeah, Rose. Mm-hmm. She said, too, that when she first started this, I think 15 years ago, you know, the, the ladies had a concept, they knew Daniel, or they knew about Jonah, and they knew some of these stories, even though they hadn't been in church. Seven years, it's totally different. Mm. These, these women have no idea of any of those stories. And, you know, because it's been put down so much, we can't mention it here, and we can't mention right. it there. And, and, uh, but it's really strange to have no concept yeah, no concept of anything, of who these people are. And, you know, I've even noticed sometimes when I'm doing counseling, I'll mention something like, okay, I'll talk to somebody and say, can okay, you remember what Joseph went through? And they're like, no. And so it's like, okay, well, let's go back and talk about Joseph. And it's a really neat opportunity to talk about the things of the Lord. But people that, that have been coming to even to church, there's just not this understanding of some of these Old Testament stories or even New Testament stories. And it's not that I'm putting down anybody's knowledge. I don't want it to sound that way. Because if you walk away tonight saying, well, I, I don't know about this or that, this is why we also go verse by verse through the Bible. It's to cover these things. Because I'm willing to bet. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say in the last 12 months... You've never had, hey, do you guys remember Tubal Cain? Yeah, I remember Tubal Cain. Remember his brothers Jubal and Jabal and what they did? We don't talk about this type of stuff. But this is part of the beauty of going verse by verse through the Bible. Is sometimes you go across these passages that you normally wouldn't go through. And hopefully you can learn about it. So, All right, last thing. Oh, yeah, Ryan.
Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's a point, and that's part of the reason why we brought this up too, is once again to show how God created us. They created us with wisdom. And if you go into most uh, you know, secular history books where they start talking about the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, etc., where really what the Bible is trying to teach us is, listen, these people had a brain from the beginning. I mean, when we get to Noah here in a little bit, and you realize what Noah built, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. With the tools that Noah had, that is pretty impressive. These guys were created in the image of God, and it's a beautiful picture of the Lord's creation. It really is. Anybody else got anything? All right, last thing. Can you please go with me to Genesis chapter 5? Genesis 5. This is what we're going to finish with. Genesis 5. The main point of tonight was that idea of Cain's line followed the way of Cain. Seth's line followed the way of the Lord. And as generations passed, you saw this huge separation between them. Same thing still happens today. If you look here at Genesis 5, verse 16. I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. We're not today dealing with the line of Cain or the line of Seth. We deal with the spirit versus the flesh. Very simply put, every situation you're in, you can choose how you choose to respond. You can choose. Genesis, excuse me, Galatians 5.16 makes that clear. You can choose. Did I say Genesis? If you guys were in tune with the spirit, you would know that I meant Galatians. Did anybody go to Galatians? Ryan, Lynette, they know Jesus. Ryan and Lynette, there's about 75 people here tonight that you need to tell about Christ. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. So I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Galatians 5. Sorry about that. 16 17. We don't deal with the line of Seth versus the line of Cain. We deal with flesh versus Spirit. Very simply put, any situation you face tonight, tomorrow, you get to choose how you respond. It's either flesh or spirit. You're going to go home, talk to your spouse. They're going to say something that upsets you, frustrates you. Are you going to go flesh or spirit? It's very simple. You're going to go into work tomorrow. Something's going to frustrate you at work. Are you going to go flesh or spirit? It's really that simple. You're going to flip the TV on. There's going to be an inappropriate program. Do I go flesh or spirit? That's what we deal with today. And if I walk in the spirit, there's joy overcoming. There's peace. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is what we want. I want people to be able to look at James and say he represents love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Because I walk in the Spirit. Now, if I choose to walk in the flesh, well, verses 19, 20, and 21 go into detail with that. Very simply put, you have that split-second decision. Every conversation you have, whatever you choose to look at, think at, say, speak, what have you, is it either going to be flesh or is it going to be spirit? We don't have Cain. We don't have Seth. We have flesh versus spirit. And we have to choose how we decide to walk in it. Look at verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. I don't want to just live it. I want to walk in it. Verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I want to die to the flesh. I've heard a pastor say many times, dead men feel no temptation. Lord, I want to die to those temptations and just walk in the Spirit. Remember that. 
When you feel that situation getting out of hand, you have a quick decision to make. Am I walking in the flesh or am I going to walk in the spirit? That's what we have to choose today. It's not Cain versus Seth. It's spirit versus flesh. Anybody have any final questions, comments here before we close up? All right, next week we're going to get into Genesis 5. And really Genesis 5 is just a build-up to get us to this idea of the flood. And that's what we're going to get into here. Because once we get through Genesis 5, that sets us up for Noah. And so once we get into Noah, Genesis 6, we get to go with Noah. And Noah's going to take center stage here for about the next four chapters. And I tell you, the flood is a fascinating study. It's too often it's oversimplified. Animals got in a boat, it rained a whole bunch, and then everybody got off the boat. No, it's much deeper than that. Fascinating study. So let's close up with a word of prayer and we'll let you guys go. Heavenly Father, good to be here tonight. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Just, Lord, help us to do that. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Don't forget an opportunity for prayer there in the kitchen on the prayer quote. Also take a look at the different ministry opportunities back there.